0: So this morning, I've got the topic of the power of two to three. Um, And so this morning, I'd just like to open up in prayer. Lord, I just want to thank you for the presence that you have in this room. I want to thank you that we have an open heaven every single week, Lord. I just pray that this morning that you would lead me, that you would guide me, and that these words would be yours, not mine. If there's anything in here that shouldn't be there, remove it. And if there's anything I've missed, please bring it. We just thank you for this morning. In your name, amen. We are in a difficult time. It's very easy to come to church in this amazing place and forget that. But as believers, we are in a unique time for the church, one with unique challenges and many distractions. I found myself in this pandemic and these lockdowns and isolations and these masks drawing closer to my family, which is fantastic. But at the same time, I found myself drawing further and further apart from my friends. One thing that COVID-19 has ensured is the normalization of relationship by distance. And while I love technology, being a millennial, of course, I mourn the loss of in-person relationship. My whole life I've heard from my elders and my leaders Your generation loves screens too much. You're on your screens too much. You don't know how to talk in person, which is true. But sadly, my generation is not the only one struggling with this post COVID. Traveling to others has become more tiresome, and more difficult. We are used to staying within our communities and despite being an extroverted extrovert, which basically means I talk a lot and I get my energy from people. I find it more comfortable and convenient to stay at home, often to my own detriment and the detriment of relationships. Therefore, this morning, I'd like to make three points. Number one, we need relationship for we're made for it. Number two, relationship with believers makes us stronger. It brings both comfort and it brings healing. And finally, how we create a safe relationship, relational environment. Number one, we need relationship for we are made for it. You see, God is a trinity, the three in one, so he is literally community. Genesis 1 verse 26 says, let us make man in our image. As we are made in the image of our triune God, we need relationship. Our language and thoughts cannot be, oh, we should have relationship. It must be we need relationship. As humans and as Christians, we are made for relationship. Hebrews 10 verse 24 to 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up being together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. We are relational beings. And as Hebrew says, we must not give up the habit of gathering. Now, I love gathering with the entire body. For me, the corporate blessing that comes, the corporate anointing, the corporate worship, for me, there's nothing like it. For me, I personally find it the most easy way and natural way to connect with God. There's something unique that comes upon you when you're in a place united with your brothers and sisters in prayer, in worship. And in a place like this where we have an open heaven, it's so easy to connect to the Lord. But, Despite having an awesome band that leads us into the throne room, as Peter and Lindsay often say, deep relationship and transformation most frequently occurs in connect groups and now also in microgroups. Just a quick refresher, microgroups is just any group of two to four people, and it doesn't have to be church-related. Jesus understood this. Yes, he spoke in the synagogues and he preached to thousands of people and performed amazing miracles, setting so many people free but this the most discipleship and transformation happened in the intimate and private moments with his disciples. First the 12 apostles, and then the inner three. The inner three are James, Peter, and John. The first martyr, the founder of the Catholic Church, and James, the last surviving apostle. Jesus engaged in the ancient equivalent of church, connect groups, and microgroups in addition to his time with the Father. Therefore, to live like Christ and our true selves made in God image, we need fellowship and relationship with our brothers and sisters, both on and outside of a Sunday service. Number two, relationship with believers makes us stronger. It brings comfort, strength, and healing. Proverbs 17 verse 22 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine but a crushed spirit dries up the bones." In a time when there's a lot of stress, uncertainty, and anxiety, and emotions are running up and down, relationship with our brothers and sisters is paramount. We need people to pray for us, to remind us of the truth, to remind us of our identity, to mourn with us, to empathize with us, to love us, and we need to be these things to our brothers and sisters. Now, I know for me personally, it's far easier for me to make someone else laugh than to make myself laugh. I know it's far easier to believe the best about someone else, to say to someone, God is with you. He forgives you. He's fighting for you. I know for me personally, when I'm going through a tough time, it's far easier to remind somebody else of God's goodness than to remember God's goodness. For me, I can feel sorry for others far easier than I can feel sorry for myself. I can see and call the best out of others. I can love and encourage my brothers and sisters far easier than I can myself. This is why when we become a follower of Jesus, we become part of his body. Because he knew we could not do this on our own. God recently gave me a fresh revelation of Psalms 23. So often we read about us walking through the darkest valley and we're like, yes, the shepherd is with us. But how often do we think about the fact that probably the rest of the flock is there too? As far as I'm aware, shepherds don't just take one sheep with them. The whole flock goes with. Jesus used sheep because we were never meant to be alone. He takes his flock with him wherever he goes. And just as a coal dies outside the fire, so does a Christian who is alone. Something that has stuck with me since I heard about it is churches to the mission as scaffolding is to the building. The scaffolding is not the building, but you cannot have one without the other. We need intimate moments with people who can help us in our worst moments. They can cry with us in our pain, give us hope in our fear, and laugh with us in our joy and celebrate our best times. We need people who know our story, We need people to grow our faith and spur us on to good deeds. And we need to be that person to our brothers and sisters. Now, how we create a safe, relational environment. Just for a moment, I want to speak to all the extroverts, since I am one. We need to reflect and communicate better, not only with others, but ourselves. Now, I might just be preaching to myself here, but I'm betting there's at least a couple other people who feel this. We need to identify what we are feeling before we ask for help and then ask for help now to speak to everyone this may come as a shock to you but what we need doesn't actually come naturally to others now i know i know i was as surprised as you were it turns out not even mothers can read minds despite their many other superpowers Um, communication is paramount to relationship and we need to communicate to our brothers and sisters Now, you might be sitting here saying, Ronan, that's great. That's real nice. But you haven't told us how to create this awesome relational oasis yet. What if I don't feel safe? What if I don't fully trust my brothers and sisters? And I would say that's a great point. I'm getting to it. I believe we can have a taste of this relationship on Sundays. But to truly experience it, we need connect groups and microgroups that are full of love, peace, and unity. Everyone needs a place to truly be themselves. And unconditional love is paramount to this. I know personally that I don't want to be honest and bare my soul if I don't feel safe. I need to know that the people that I'm with are going to keep my confidence. They're not going to be judgmental and love me. I need a judgmental free zone. In short, I need to know that I can trust my brothers and sisters. Now, this is not an allowance to excuse sin. True love involves judging fruit and loving correction. However, as Paul emphasizes in Galatians 6, we are to do so gently, bearing one another's burdens, which implies humility and meekness. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and, and the same judgment. Personally, I do not believe that this means we all have to think the exact same thing or think exactly the same. I do believe that it means we can agree to disagree and in those instances, we do not seek an argument. Something that I love that Bethel or some of its team say is one should not be right at the expense of relationship, which is something that has stuck with me. And I personally believe bringing up topics that are hotly debated goes against unity and brings discord. I want you to ask yourselves three questions. In light of eternity, is this truly important? Is this going to bring my brother or sister closer to me or further away? And most importantly, is this going to bring them closer to God or push them away? John 13, 35 says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And Corinthians gives us some defining features. True love is patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not selfish. It is slow to anger, it keeps no records of wrongs. It love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. And without love, we have nothing. To truly create a safe relational environment, relational environment, my apologies, which is a judgment-free zone, we need true love. We need communication, we need confidentiality, we need unity. We need peace, we need patience, and we need trust. Now, unfortunately, this isn't a quick fix. And what I've shared is only part of the puzzle. But I know it's a good start. And as we do these things, Holy Spirit will guide and bless us. So just a quick recap, three points to close. We need relationship for are made for it. Relationship with believers makes us stronger. We, it brings comfort and healing. And in this time and throughout our lives, we need people who know us and can tell our story. We need people who are with us in the valleys and on the peaks. To truly create a safe, relational environment, which is a judgment-free zone, we need true love, unity, peace, patience, communication, trust, and confidentiality. Thank you. I want to pass it over to Lindsay. Wow.
1: Come on, give him a big hand. That is awesome. That's so good. I don't know why I'm up here, really very good Ronan how good is that and um, you know he's right there's there's this is a season where we need to be building relationships and um, when there's so much stress and and trouble in the world we need one another more than ever talking about small groups it's interesting that Peter I actually um, when I look back at my early Christian life I was saved and built in this um, in a small group in fact it was just two. And um, one girl particularly mentored me. She ended up being my bridesmaid she, and then disappeared basically out of my life. But isn't it amazing how God can bring one person into your life who just helps you for that season? And it was in that micro group, which literally I never thought of it as that, a micro group where I actually really, really grew. And um, she used to say to me... Um, She helped me build spiritual disciplines on my day off, my one day off a week. I'd take my blanket and my pillow and my catar and I'd go and sit in the paddock for half a day. For those of you who don't know, I'll translate paddock. Paddock is a field. (laughs) Okay. Just like a farmer is a grazier. See, my father was a grazier. People go, oh, what is that? Farmer. And so I'd sit in the field. And the cows had come around and I'd just connect with God and God would speak to me. So I built that discipline into my life early and I don't think I really knew what I was doing except that God knew what he was doing and he knew what I needed and I absolutely loved it. And it refreshed my soul and it renewed my soul. You need to know what renews your soul. And so I grew in a small group. Peter, when we were at the other Bible at the other building, started as a micro group. And there was a person who joined it who was not a Christian, but was interested in the Bible. So the three of them got together, he and Ken Wooten, who now pastors Toowoomba, with this gentleman, got together and he got saved through the study of the Word. And so I'm going to suggest, as we go through and talk about microgroups, this month we're talking about spiritual disciplines, it's really important to be a part of a small group. Or a connect group, someone that you're connecting with. And I think now with COVID, more than ever, we need to have a small group where you can share your fears and the things that um, trouble you without, like um, Ronan said, without fear of reprisal, without judgment, where you can share your heart, people will listen to you without striking you down and knocking you down. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'm pretty good at that if people give an argument I can I can pretty much come back pretty fast and I've had to learn as we process through this whole thing and I think the world is quite wounded right now that we've got to soften our approach with one another and I'm speaking to myself first softening our approach with one another loving one another well and listening to one another and one of the ways you do that is in a small group no one's going to stand up in a big group and tell them their world's their their biggest fear or their biggest trouble but it will happen in a small group of two or three and that's where you grow so I want to encourage you I was reading this now I just bought this the other day it's the new international version bible love love it it's just a great little book it st- I don't like books that start at the end because it says um, it starts in September because it's the beginning of the American New Year, right? You know, they all start going back to school and everything. It just doesn't make sense to me. So at the moment, I've stopped reading it because I cannot stand the thought of reading at the end of the book before I start at the beginning. It just doesn't seems weird. So September first, I'm going back into reading it. And this is what he says in here. A couple of things. Read it together. Read the whole Bible in a year is a huge challenge. You'll find it really helpful if you're not doing it by yourself, but with a group of friends and journey together. You can struggle, you get excited together about what you're discovering in God. Now, I think that's a great idea. Perhaps you might want to consider that today. So I'm going to go and pick one of these little books up, Bibles, and I'm going to start reading it. He says in the beginning, the Bible is a guide to life. It tells us right from wrong. There's no question that it, doesn't answer, that it doesn't answer and it is a practical handbook for our life. It's also much more than that. It's a story of relationship between us and God where we find love and joy and peace, adventure and purpose. It's not a list of rules but it's a book of love. See, when you read the Bible, you feel love. God starts to speak to you. If you're struggling, read the Bible and You know, it just, I mean, I'm speaking to here, I would believe I'm speaking here to mature Christians, but my question to you is, you might have been 25 years or 35 years or 45 years a Christian. Have you ever read the Bible? Are you still reading the Bible, is my question. Because I tend to assume that everybody's reading the Bible, but I've learnt that one thing, probably quite a number of you have stopped. And especially when we get busy, we get stressed, What do your children see you doing? What do your family see you doing? If you're reading this book like it is the most important thing in your life, you're telling the world something, that this is how I find my life. Now, in a small group, that becomes powerful. Three things I'm going to just quickly tell you that the Word of God does. The Word of God to me is the most important. It's absolutely the most paramount part of your life. Because it is where you will find your nourishment. It is an incorruptible seed. It says in 1 Peter, two, I think about round 18 and 19. It's a seed and it gets on the inside of you and it starts to grow. It's, it's not an ordinary book. It's not just another book. If you sit it in your cupboard and you never open it, it'll do you no good. It's a seed and it needs to get into you so that it can change you. And he says it's true. Numbers 23:19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God will make good his word to you, His revealed word to you. But if you're not reading it, how do you know what his revealed will is to you? So read it, and it's powerful. The second thing the Word of God does, the Word of God creates faith. Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing and hear. see you know it. We can know it though, but if we're not reading it, it's not doing you any good. Faith. We need faith in this season. You need faith to have a vaccine. You need faith if you're not having the vaccine. Either way, maybe this Delta variant's coming up into Queensland at some point. What are you going to do? Where is your faith? Where does your faith come from? Your faith comes from this. It's not the information that you can get so you can make a good decision. Faith is birthed on the inside of you and you know what God's saying to you. See, our conversations shouldn't be about, well, this is the right way or that's the wrong way. You know, because that scripture that Ronan put up in the end, let's be unified about one thing. And that is hearing what God says to our heart and doing it. You're not answerable to everybody else for what you say or what you do, but you are answerable to him. And the only way he can tell you is if you're reading your word. And if you're not reading it, then God's not speaking to you. Your faith's not growing. And you're going to do what other people tell you to do. You're going to ask everybody else what you should be doing because you haven't heard. You've got to hear it on the inside. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, I want to, if nothing else today, give you an appetite to get the you more and more. Faith keeps you from sin. Psalm 119, verse 11, people sin when they don't have the word of God in the inside. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I think one of the reasons young people sin and say certain words in the Bible, they don't, they're not in there is because their translation has changed it so much they don't know what it means anymore. God will help you not to sin. You've got to read it to know it. It's a hammer. The word of God guides you. This I love this one. The word of God sanctifies you. The word of God sets you apart. It sanctifies you. There's parts in your temple that are not sanctified. You might swear. You might be doing things. You might be looking at things online that no one else knows about. And you see no one sees, but God sees. See, the word of God will separate that out. Because when you read the word of God, you'll say, ooh. God's convicting me I'm amazed at how many times I pick up the Bible and I've been doing something and God will confirm it exactly with what I'm reading that day and I just go God that's amazing how did you know oh yeah okay you're God I know how you know but it just amazes me how many of you found that you know, God confirms it through either something you're doing, something you're saying, something you've had a conversation about, you've been praying about. We were praying about gates at our intercessors' meeting this past week and uh, we were just declaring opening gates, shutting gates, doing the Nehemiah, you know, all the different kinds of gates. There's the dung gate, you know, where you've got to throw your junk out. There's the um, fountain gate. There's all these gates. We were praying about the gates in the church and asking God to close gates, open gates which is also the part of our theme of the, of, the of our um, fast. And I get home and I thought, I'll go to the end of my book and just read, read one of my um, daily readings. So I picked up Psalms and it was Psalms verse 12, I can't, Psalm 137, I think it was, and it goes, I will strengthen the bars of your gates. <laughs> and I just go, oh, don't you just love it when it comes together? I just love it. I've read it and God just speaks to me and it hits you in the heart. And you go, oh, yeah, that's so good. See, we need that right now. And there's a whole lot of people in the world who need that right now. You've got friends who need that right now. Start a start a small group. Start a connect group. A small group is not a connect group, okay? A connect group is probably around 10, 12, because we're thinking while COVID's on, if you have any more of that and they try to lock it down under 10, you're in trouble. So it's around 10, 12. But a micro group is just two or three. Find somebody. You might be talking to someone and say, hey, they're really fearful. Say, so why don't we get together and just read the Bible? Just see what God would say. You know, God wants to help us through this. God wants to help us. He says in, in Luke, he says, let not your heart be troubled and say. So, be pretty good to be able to walk through life not being troubled in your heart see god will do that for us and help us and then it's so it sanctifies you oh gosh i like this So my notebook's just all of a sudden lit up <laughs> you know like when it's germs you know and they put that thing on and they all go yellow i got all these bright lights on my page just went too far the third thing the word of God will do, God says, my word is to be eaten. He told Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 1, he says to the prophet, he said, I want you to take the scroll and eat it. So in a vision, he literally picks up this scroll and he eats it. God says to you today that you've got to take the word of God and you've got to eat it. You've got to get it on the inside of you. Now, can I ask you, when you eat a meal, does it just come out the other end the same way? I know, it's just gross. But, you know, at least I just wanted to wake Barry up there, okay? I just wanted to wake him up. You've got to eat the Word of God. You've, that's why reading it is important. If you don't get it on the inside of you, you read it and you meditate on it, you chew on it and you think about it. I go and sit out under my tree on the paddock and I just mull over things. And God would start to speak to me. And what happens, when you digest the word, the the goodness of it comes into your being. And it ministers to the pain, to the rage, to the anger, to the hurt. And it feeds your soul. And it helps you. And then the waste is just dismissed. But the goodness of the word, when you read it, you can read it, And just say, oh, I've done my daily reading today. That will do you no good. You'll feel good because you think, oh, I'm a Christian and I've read my Bible. But that's like you've got spiritual diarrhea, really. You just read it and it just comes in one mouth and goes out the other end. What good has it done you? If the word of God, you come and hear. You know, Pentecostal Christianity really by and large has been reduced to a Sunday experience. My challenge to you today is to get into a small group and allow your Christianity to get challenged. Allow the word of God to get deep on the inside of you and change those parts of you where I know some of you hide. And you know, the interesting thing is you can hide from Peter or me or any other leader in this church, but you cannot hide from God. And if you hide and if you continually don't address the issues that hurt you, then you stay stunted and you do not grow. And how will you grow? You'll grow in a small group. We're, we're in a small group. If you want spiritual growth. And in this church, we want to see people grow. So if you think of a triangle, the bottom of a any small group is going to be for a stark commitment because if you're not committed to a small group, say, I'm going to join this group for a year, then they won't have... You won't have vulnerability because people think, oh, if I say something, I might say something and people will hate me and they'll leave the group or whatever. So you've got to have that say, I'm committed to this group of two or three. We're going to study it for a year. Then I'm going to be vulnerable. And, and, And you see, you won't be vulnerable if there's no commitment. There won't be any trust built. But that's how you grow. If you want to have growth spiritually, you've got to have meaningful relationships, people that you can talk to and tell them The ugly parts of you. If no one knows the ugly side of you, then you're not growing. And I'm going to tell you right now, the ugly side of you that you won't talk about is the very thing you need to talk about so that God can lance it and heal you of it. It'll happen in a small group if you'll let God do it. But if you're skirting over things, then then your Sunday Christianity will do you no good. And Pentecostals are no different from a Methodist, Presbyterian or any other church. You're just going through the rituals. You're just going to church. Your kids have got to see you change. They've got to see you eating the word of God. They've got to see you eating it, taking on it. You've got to agree with it. Psalm 116 verse 10, I believed, therefore I spoke. You've got to agree with it. You've got to say the word of God is medicine. I speak it. I believe it. I speak it. That's the spirit of faith. I teach my grandson that all the time. I keep reminding him, what's the spirit of faith, Harvey? It's what I believe and what I speak. If you're not speaking it out of your mouth, it's not the spirit of faith. It's not coming out. Just because you believe it, it's not faith. You've got to have the both. The spirit of faith has got to get on the... You've got to believe it. You've got to agree with it. You've got to speak it. When you say, I am healed... You've got to meditate on it. You don't walk around like a parrot saying, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. I refuse this. Well, you're just like some idiotic parrot in the world who just look at you and think you're stupid. Because you've got to meditate on the Word of God and get it on the inside of you so that when you say it, you believe it. You've got to agree with it. The Word of God will create your world. The Word of God is the most wonderful thing in the whole world. It's more important to me than my relationships, my close relationships, because if my relationship with God is not right, my relationships with others won't be. Take a hold of it. As the band comes and just begins to play this morning, how good was our band this morning? My goodness, love it. Come on, how about we stand and say, Jesus. Can I encourage you to start a micro group? Get together with someone and say, you know what, this year I'm going to go buy this book. It's in Karong. I think it's probably a youth one. I like it though. NIV. You might, like, you might say, I'll take... The NIV, I can't do a whole, um, you know, like read the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm or Proverb in a day. Well, all all I'm doing this year, I read the Bible through last year, all I'm doing this year is going through Psalms and Proverbs. That's all I'm doing. Then maybe next year I might do New Testament. Then the year after I might do the Old Testament. Some chapters of Leviticus I might skip. (laughs) I grew best in a small group. We led people to Jesus in a small group. Start a micro group for your own benefit so you'll grow, so it'll force you to deal with things in your life that perhaps you've never wanted to deal with, but in a small group, God will help you. We thank God that even no matter what we go through today, through this pandemic, no matter what God is doing in the world, he is with us. God promises to look after us in times of famine, and he will satisfy us, and he'll satisfy us with his word. Father, right now, I thank you for your word, and I pray that you would help us. Lord, right now, speak to our hearts, convict us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Show us how to move forward, and show us, Lord, inspire us how we can help others as we look to grow and to be strong in ourselves as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Mike.